to another edition of the Niner Sports Talk Podcast. And may I just say one thing, it is good to be back. I don't know about you, Miles, but it has been a long break for you and I, not having uh, the equipment to run a podcast through our home, but glad to be back. Yeah, it's been since uh, about January since we've been on the mic, so a lot of things have happened since we've talked, had this podcast, so it's good to be back. Number one being that Charlotte men's and women's basketball finished up their season. Baseball team's off to a great start this year. They just routed nationally ranked Tennessee, as well as NCAA tournaments getting ready to start this week. As our first discussion this week, we'll talk about the men's and women's basketball seasons and how they went overall how the teams look. I'll let you go first, Miles. What did you think about men's and women's, how they fared this year and what they could improve on going into next year? Well, I'll start with the men's first off. There's a lot of things that I want to talk about with men's basketball. I'll start with them. They lost nine straight games to end the season. About three or four of them were blowouts. They lost in the first round by 10. I was really disappointed with the way this team ended. We were nine and seven at one point or something like that. And we lost nine straight games. It felt like the team just lost a lot of momentum in February. They just didn't come ready to play. They're getting blown out in the first half. Didn't have the energy to come back in the second. And then they just lost in the Conference USA tournament. So thank God this season's over. This is awful. I mean, my my sentiment's pretty close. Last time we were on the mic was back in January. And since January 30th, they haven't won a basketball game. So we hadn't missed much. But overall, it, it was a shame to see how... The team looked early on in the year to what they finished, and there's a lot that we don't see that goes on behind the scenes, rather. And you just don't know what the camaraderie you like was with the team or anything of that nature, but it is disappointing as a fan, as someone that goes to UNCC to see a team that looked to have a promising season up the way they did. I thought that was really funny what you said. We didn't really miss much because we really didn't. We They lost every game since we've talked, and... During the conference tournament, I was watching that game, and they showed up a stat for Jameer Young. He was averaging like 20 points per game in, in January and in December, and then February, that went down to 15. So it's kind of like the whole team just didn't play as well down the stretch. I don't know what happened. Maybe they were tired. They just couldn't win games late in the season. Coach Sanchez mentioned in the last post-game presser before the conference tournament that playing seven of the last eight on the road didn't help because kids constantly traveling. It can't be easy on them, but... Sanchez and UNCC as a whole, they're not one to make excuses. So it's no excuse, but you can see where he's coming from. Playing like the final few series on the road, because they did have their senior day canceled. So that sucked for them. Feel bad for that. But whether you're at home or on the road, you got to win basketball games. And they couldn't do it on the road and they didn't do it at the conference tournament. Looking ahead to next season, ultimately, what do you think they need to improve on? Who do you think will be some key players going into next season? Assuming we don't get killed in the transfer world again and we have guys leave the program. There's one player in particular that I think we both have in our heads that we don't want to leave than going to the transfer portal. But looking ahead, I just want better player development. I feel like the freshmen didn't play up to the standards that we would like them to. Jared Garcia didn't play nearly as much. He has a lot of potential. I hope he doesn't leave. I feel like he could be a really good centerpiece to the team moving forward for the next few seasons. I'd also like to see Bryce Williams. He played good early in the season, kind of pulled back and didn't play as well down the stretch. But I would like to see those two players develop and become better players in the second year. You mentioned Bryce Williams, and I really think he's a 
great player. I think he has a good future ahead of him. But Marvin Cannon, towards the end of January, really started out playing him. And so a coach is going to play the best available player. And I'm no coach, but you talk about Jared Garcia. And with Milos Supico being injured down the stretch, I really feel like Garcia was better than Anzac Rosetto. Not to be too critical, but I just think with Garcia's ability to step out, make that three-point shot, make jumpers, rebound, I just think he would have been the better option. But coach values leadership and values seniority. So that's his call. Like I said, I'm no coach, but I just think you got to play your best talent. It's going to be interesting to see how the, the team is different this year compared to next year because I don't know what Jordan Shepard's going to do. He's probably going to be done. Matos, he's probably going to be done. Those are two starters right there, so it's going to be different to see how they adjust in the starting lineup, and we don't know what happens to Mir Young. Maybe Stone Carrowell, maybe he even transfers. Just a lot of potential turnover for the team. I really don't see Carrowell transferring. I don't think he's put up enough numbers at this point to go anywhere and make an immediate impact. He's a redshirt freshman, so he's got that year of experience that he didn't play. I think he'll be fine next year as a redshirt sophomore. The biggest player we don't want to see go is Jameer, if that happens. That's a, that's that's, a gut buster. <laughs> that's a setback in the program. He's one of the best freshmen we've seen in a long time. Had a phenomenal sophomore year, all-conference, first team. But it, it'll be interesting to see what goes down over the next few months and as next fall rolls around what'll end up happening just need better surrounding pieces and then from there you can eventually just get better and start winning some games and make it farther in the tournament and i'm not really familiar with who we all have coming in as our recruits but jackson threadgill will be a key piece next year as well because the flashes that he has shown this year is really impressive going forward it'll be interesting to see lineups and uh, rotations but that's all in the future moving on to our women's team they finished with a 10 and 10 record, I believe. And I don't really feel that a 10 and 10 record is really indicative of how well this team played because they played ACC teams early in the year, lost by a few possessions. And so they're a couple plays away from having a 10 and 10 year to a 15 and five year. Something that I saw, they had 10 losses, but none of them were above 10 points. All the games that they lost were close, and they could have won and come out on top, but just a few plays down the stretch, a turnover here, a missed shot there, just a couple things that they just couldn't capitalize on. Further piggyback on that, a lot of their wins were massive. Like you said, a couple possessions here and there, you go from 10 and 10 to maybe 15 and 5, and that game in the conference tournament, that was just a heartbreaker. Because ODU, they really had our number... This year, taking us to double overtime now twice, overtime once. Yes, we won the two games, but all the games have been close. And let's be real, they won the one that mattered. <laughs> Something I always think about whenever you play a team three times in the season, and the Saints kind of learn this in the playoffs, is that it's just hard to beat the same team three times in one year. It doesn't matter who they are or at what level. It's just hard to beat the same team three times in one year. And when you go to overtime for all three games, they went double overtime, overtime, then double overtime again in the conference tournament. And then they lose by one point. That's heartbreaking. I thought ODU did a really good job containing Jet Wilson. She had 42 points in the second matchup earlier in the year. But then, I'm not sure exactly her numbers, but she was well under her season average, if I'm not mistaken, in the conference tournament game. So containing her was obviously a focal point for the Monarchs, and they did it to a very high level. She struggled early, something that I noticed because I was watching the game too. She had decent numbers in the first half, third quarter, she struggled, and then she picked it up late in the fourth quarter and then took that momentum into overtime and started playing better. But 
they keyed in on her, forcing her into tough shots, double teaming when she drove, forcing other people to try and score and, and lead the team. But they they really keyed in on Jet Wilson. It'll be really interesting to see what she decides to do if she decides to exercise her free year because in her last game of the season against FAU, in her post-game presser, she said that she's not sure what she'll do yet, whether going out with 42 points in Halton Arena is her final game, so be it, or if it's not, we'll see what happens from here. But she's not really been transparent with what she's going to do yet. She's hinting around the fact she might come back or leave. So it'll be intriguing to see who all decides to stay and leave. Yeah, right now there's going to be three players that are, they could potentially leave because they're senior years. Jet Wilson, Mariah Linney, and Dara Pearson. They all are probably going to leave in my opinion, but they've had great careers. They they gave it all they had on the court in the conference tournament and just came up one point short. Yeah, the only one I could see staying would be Jet Wilson. And it's not to say that Mariah and Dara wouldn't, but let's face it, Dara's already a six-year player. She's been here. She's, she's done her part. And Mariah, she's had a more consistent career because Jet Wilson's had a career plagued with sickness and injuries. And she's really reaching her peak now. So to play another year and just show how good of a player she really is, she come back, maybe win – Player of the year. She was probably second in the conference this year behind Hayes from Middle Tennessee. So we'll see. Dara Pearson's probably not going to come back. I mean, could you imagine her coming back for a seventh year? That would be that'd be the most years spent by a college player I've ever heard of. I don't care how long or how much you love playing collegiate sports, seven years in college is just too much. Just to kind of like add on to that, they all were recognized for senior day. I don't really see any of them coming back. It was a really special senior day for all of them. They all played well on their final Halton Arena game. Or not the final one, I guess, because it wasn't the last home game. But it was a really fun day to see. As a matter of fact, in the post-game presser against UTEP, I mentioned how how big of an impact that Dara made. Yeah, her stat line's not off the charts impressive, but 14 points, I think she had eight rebounds or something like that. That's pretty big because... Even Coach Kinswager said that when Dar has 14 points, you'd think we'd win. But UTEP kind of spoiled senior night, if you will. But overall, just great careers by all three of those players. So to kind of transition, our baseball team is 8-5, and five, coming off a big win against a nationally ranked Tennessee. They beat them 9-0. So, Miles, I want you to open us up and talk about your initial thoughts about how the team's playing this year. They're playing well above my expectations. I'm sure everybody's happy with the way they're playing. The hitting is off the charts right now. They're 9 nothing. The pitching also is off the charts, too. It's shutting out a, a nationally ranked Tennessee team. That's nothing to knock on. They're, they're playing really well. It's just the home run hitting that is hitting everyone's eye. Charlotte has five players with at least three home runs. David McKay has eight leading the team, and they're just playing really well right now. It's actually a fun team to, to watch. Yeah, and exciting for 49er fans where you're going to get some games at some local ballparks. The first ever game to be held at Atrium Ballpark in Kannapolis at the new Cannonballers Stadium. Charlotte will face Appalachian State March the 23rd. That'll be the first ever game to even be held at that ballpark because with COVID canceling last season for the team, for the Cannonballers anyway, they hadn't had a baseball game in that park yet. So it'll be interesting and cool to see Charlotte kick things off for that baseball field. Yeah, that stadium looks really nice. It's brand new. They're supposed to start playing in that stadium last year, but obviously COVID canceled that. They're also going to be playing in Uptown at Truist Field. They're going to be playing College of Charleston. That's going to be 
this weekend. So that'll be fun to see. It's nice to see Charlotte play in different stadiums. There's a couple nice stadiums in Charlotte, so it's nice to see them getting some attention there. And as we transition into some different Niner sports, Miles, why don't you open us up with some cross-country fact? So cross-country, they're going to be competing in the NCAA tournament. That's going to happen tomorrow. Well, it's going to be Monday, but by the time this podcast comes out, the results already have happened. It's going to be exciting to see. This is going to be the first time Charlotte has competed in an NCAA tournament. They won the Conference USA tournament back in October, which is kind of weird how the season is planned because cross-country happens in the fall, but the tournament got postponed into of the spring so it's kind of weird how that all shaped out but it's gonna be interesting to watch it's gonna be broadcast on espnu so i might check in on that just to see how our team's doing i'll kind of hit on some 49er men's golf right now as a matter of fact they are playing and they are up by nine strokes on number 40th ranked georgia tech and so if the team can hold on for the last nine holes or so They'll have won their first event of the year after having several top five finishes. That'll be awesome. They came in second in their last tournament or something like that. It'd be nice to see them actually win. And against Georgia Tech, they're ahead by nine strokes. That's a lot. Good for them. Georgia Tech's known for sending several players to the pros, most notably Matt Kuchar, big-time name on the PGA Tour. But it's good to see the smaller sports get some recognition every now and again. But as we transition into our last segment, as we mentioned in the intro, the NCAA basketball tournament starts this year and although the 49ers men's and women's teams probably will not make it this year still kind of interesting just to talk about COVID-19 implications that may or may not have an effect on the tournament some predictions that kind of thing so I'll let you go ahead and open us up we're finally back into March Madness after last season got canceled because March Madness is personally one of my favorite times of the year you just sit there and do nothing and just watch basketball all day that's my favorite looking at the tournament as a whole I don't really think any ACC team is going to win the tournament. I just feel like there's too much. There's like Georgia Tech, Florida State, UNC, Virginia, maybe Duke if they're lucky. But I just don't see any of them winning. What are your thoughts on that? I don't see any ACC team winning. All those you mentioned, the highest seed is like a four seed as of right now, according to a lot of the bracket analysts. Duke would have to get extremely lucky. Right now, Syracuse and Louisville are on a lot of the last four in according to some of the bracket analysts. So I don't see any ACC teams winning, but it's good to see some ACC teams represented. The Conference USA bid will go to North Texas after an incredible game last night, and they really persevered to avoid a huge Western Kentucky comeback. Shot the three incredibly well. It'll be interesting to see what seed they get and who their first-round game is. Yeah, I looked at Bracketology on ESPN before we actually started. There's supposed to be a 13 seed projected. They're supposed to play against West Virginia. Obviously, we don't know that for sure. That's just what the predictions are right now, but we'll see. They're probably going to be the only CUSA team in the tournament, which is kind of unfortunate. Western Kentucky is like one of the last four teams out, so that would have been fun to see a couple teams that Charlotte plays and do it, but that's what happens. I also want to get your thoughts on Gonzaga is always one of the best teams. I have some opinions about Gonzaga that aren't popular, but they play nobody. There's not a ranked team in their conference besides them. And I mean, BYU, for crying out loud, was like a 20-9 and record when they played in their conference tournament final. They pushed Gonzaga to the brink. I know Gonzaga played a bunch of ranked teams early in the year. They beat Kansas. Um, they were supposed to play Baylor. That didn't happen because of COVID cancellations. But I don't think Gonzaga is going to win. I don't. I honestly don't see them making the Final Four. Gonzaga is like that one team whenever like you make your bracket, you always look at them like, Okay, they're the number one seed. Are they actually going to 
make it happen this year because I feel like they've been the one or two seed for like six straight years and they just never get it done. Final four is like the top that I, I put them at and then everything else, probably not. You got to look the last four or five years, they've had a number one seed and they've only got to the championship game to lose to North Carolina in 2017. So they're just one of those teams that you can't put too much emphasis on because you know they don't have that hard of a competition throughout their conference schedule. And so from January till March, they're playing nobody. <laughs> yeah. Looking at the Big Ten right now, then I'll get into some of my predictions for who I think will win because I think one of the teams that I got winning probably is going to be in the Big Ten. But Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Iowa yeah, they're all they're all going to make it. They're all, I think they all have a, a really good chance to make it. What are your thoughts on that? Illinois probably being – my top pick out of all those Michigan just had a pretty significant injury to one of their starters and his status is kind of unknown it's uncertain as to when he'll be back so my, my pick right now for just the whole thing would be Illinois they're playing really well they shoot three well their freshman point guard is one of the best freshman point guards I've seen in a long time well your your pick was Illinois so now I have to pick someone else because that was who I was going to pick but I can't pick the same team as you, so I got to go. I mean, I'll, I can go with Ohio State. Ohio State's playing really well. The only thing about them that I've noticed a lot recently is they just can't close out games. They take like a 10-point lead with five minutes to go, and then with 30 seconds left, it's like a one-point game. It happened against Michigan, happened in the other round that they played before that. I would love to see Ohio State actually stay consistent throughout the game and actually close it out with a, a convincing win without it getting close with, with one position to go. I think today in a few hours will be a tell-all as to – how Ohio State really is because Ohio State and Illinois play for the Big Ten Championship. But Iowa's a team that their guards <laughs> shoot well, but if their big man Luca Garza is not playing well, then they're a team that could easily get beat Sweet 16. And just looking at the bracketology right now because I pulled it up on my laptop, another team that I, I feel like goes in the same boat as Gonzaga is Kansas, and I feel like Baylor maybe because Kansas is the same way. People believe in Kansas. They always lose. They're they're projected a three seed right now, but I don't know. I haven't watched Kansas a lot this year, but I don't know how good they'll play in the tournament. Baylor's a very streaky team. If they get going, I, I don't see them losing. If like, they get going early. But another team to mention is Alabama. You think Alabama, you think football. But no, nah, they've won the SEC regular season, and they're in the conference tournament final right now. As a matter of fact, the score is 26-25. So they're a team that could make a run. If their shooters go cold, they could be as early as a second-round exit, in my opinion. But if they continue to play at a high level, they're a team that could squeak their way into the Final Four. It's kind of cool seeing some of these teams that aren't usually good at basketball. Like Alabama hasn't been historically great at basketball. But here they are as the number two seed with an actual good team and a, and a chance to get to the Final Four. We mentioned Duke earlier. They're currently on the next four out, so... The likelihood of them making the tournament straight up is slim to none, but they could if enough teams have COVID cancellations and they can't play in the tournament, they might squeak their way in. Western Kentucky is the same way. They're on the next four out right above Duke. It's an exciting time of the year for me as well. You said it's one of your favorites. It's definitely got to be my favorite sports tournament out of any tournament that's held. Last year was kind of odd. We were sitting there for preparing for conference tournaments and all of a sudden it's just canceled and you're like wow just to close this up what is your this is on the spot what is your top favorite march madness moment 
recently UMBC beating Virginia as the first ever 16 to beat a one. That was, and I mean, killed, Virginia, I mean, 20 points. It wasn't like it was even close. That happened in the Spectrum Center too. So it was in Charlotte when that happened. That's up there. Seeing a lot of Cinderella teams, I've followed Duke basketball for my whole life. But besides them winning the tournament, seeing a lot of Cinderella stories like Loyola Chicago, 11 seed to a Final Four, VCU playing in the first four. This is going back almost 10 years now, but from first four to Final Four. And so it's just moments like that that make the tournament what the tournament is. I think the Loyola Chicago one is probably my favorite one in recent memory. I still remember where I was when they hit that shot against Miami to like the buzzer beater to go on to the second round. It was a first round game. It was just so crazy to see like just a small team. And plus with their their sister, I forget her name, Sister That's, Agnes. No, it's just, well, uh, that might be her first name, but it's Sister Jean. Sister Jean, yeah. That was, it was just so cool to learn more about Loyola Chicago and just see them just get to the final four. That was awesome. She's still kicking too. She's like over a hundred years old. I'm going to have some of that water. But to kind of close up, I said, Illinois, who's your final? Who's going to win everything? You know, I'll pick Ohio State. I said Ohio State earlier. If they can close out games, they got a nice team. Washington and Liddrell, I think his name is, EJ Liddrell. I hope they're going to make it far, hopefully win it. We'll see what happens, though. The selection is going to happen in a few hours. By the time this comes out, well, it'll all be official. So it's going to be fun to watch. All right, last question before we get off here. How far do you see North Texas going? You think they can? Yeah, I know it's but it's pertinent to Conference USA. How far do you think they can make it if if they play a top three point shooting team in the conference, one of the best defensive teams in our conference? Bracketology has them play in West Virginia. I like that matchup. You West, do. West Virginia does not guard the three well. One thing I've always noticed about West Virginia, and this is just how their coach plays, they always like to do a full court press, and I, that's always tough to deal with. I don't know how North Texas will handle that. It would be fun to see North Texas win a game. Yeah, but a, a game. That's a, that might be it's it. It's easy to get threes in transition on the full court press, though. That's true. So if if you can get the ball ahead to an open guy in the corner or on the wing, if you're knocking down thirty eight to forty percent of your threes that are open, you can. I remember two years ago, Old Dominion made it. I was kind of rooting for them to see what happened. They didn't win a game, but. I think North Texas has a fighting chance. I'd say Sweet 16 is probably their peak. It would be cool to see if they get farther, but one game at a time, that's what it's going to take. They would definitely be one of my upset picks if they do play West Virginia. If they end up playing someone that I think matches up a little bit better, I have them as a first-round exit, but West Virginia, I'd have to pick North Texas after seeing the way their defense played last night. That'll be fun to watch. I'll be excited to see what they do, what they do who they get matched up against. It'll be a fun season. So this concludes another episode of the Niner Sports Talk from myself, Cameron, and Miles. Y'all have a good one.